Pastor Xavier Reese passing on wise advice from Scripture. For greater satisfaction, consult the manufacturer. Hebrews 13.4 says that marriage is sanctioned by God and the bed's undefiled. But God will judge fornicators and adulterers. God invented sex, Satan perverted it. In the context of marriage, it will blossom. But you touch it outside and that blossom will just wither. It'll wither. If we want to receive the blessing of God, we're going to have to be obedient. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Over the years, we've been known to measure love in various ways, from reality TV competitions aimed at successfully avoiding elimination from a pool of so-called eligible singles, to notoriously seeking out the one who wants to marry a millionaire. But the simple truth remains. God created men and women for marriage in a way must-see TV seems to have gotten out of whack. Coming up, Pastor Xavier weighs in with the Creator's perspective in his study called Foundations for Sexual Purity, drawn from the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Let's listen. Now, in this section, he has a call to holiness and godly living. Verses 1 through 12 of chapter 4 and verses 12 through 24 of chapter 5. And then the incentive for holy living and godly living you find in chapter 4 verse 13 to chapter 5 verse 11. What is the incentive? The soon return of Jesus Christ. Whenever you lose sight of the soon return of Jesus Christ, your incentive for holy living will begin to wane. The key word is sanctification. You find it in verse 3, verse 4, and in verse 7. And the New King James is translated holiness. It's the same word. The word means set apart. Set apart to walk in a way that is pleasing to God. That's what you and I are called to. In the world we pleased ourselves. Now we please God. And I want you to really be praying because we live in a day that is so perverted. We live in a day there is so much damage. Historians are going to look back on this generation as one of the most destructive generations in the history of mankind, let alone the United States, because of the sexual freedom or the sexual perversion, whichever way you want to look at it, that we have given ourselves to. If we want to receive the blessing of God, we're going to have to be obedient. There's no other way. Let me read verses 1 through 8, and then we'll look at the general overview. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandment we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality or fornication that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in all in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us His Holy Spirit. 
The general exhortation is found in verses 1 and 2. First, it is to grow in the knowledge they have received. Finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us. They had received certain instructions, certain standards. And Paul says now, hey, listen, I want you guys to grow. Grow in that knowledge. God wants you to grow. He wants me to grow. Secondly, to walk and to please God. God has called you to walk according to His will, according to His standards, according to His purposes. You see, that which God has called us to obey and to walk in are not man's precepts. They're not man's statutes. They're not man's regulations. It's not man's norms or mores. Man's norms and mores change with society. But God's standards are always constant. God never changes. He's constant. Paul also moves on regarding the specific exhortation for sexual holiness in verses 3 to the first portion of verse 6. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. In other words, the single is not to cross over to marital privileges by a phony manipulation, defiling the person sexually and robbing their future mate of their virginity. But also the married are not to partake of sexual privilege with another who is married by phony manipulation defiling the marriage. The reason for the exhortation of sexual holiness is found in the rest of verse 6 down to verse 8. He says, Because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarn you and testify. God avenges himself against the sexual disobedient. No person who is practicing sexual sin will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, and Galatians 5, 19 through 21. No adulterer, no fornicator will ever inherit the kingdom of God. You understand what I'm saying? It's very clear. The second reason is God calls us to be holy, verse 7. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. The third reason is that God sees sexual sin as a rejection of Him, not man. He says, therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us His Holy Spirit. How do we reject God? By disobeying what we know by the word and by disobeying our conscience. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know what the word of God says and we know what it doesn't say. Disobedience to it. Hebrews 13.4 says that marriage is sanctioned by God and the bed's undefiled. But God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Hey, you're married, have a ball. If you don't think that's scriptural, read Proverbs. Read the Song of Solomon. We're going to get into it. The Honeymoon Manual, Song of Solomon. Real detail. 
It's not Playboy or anything else, but it's in the context of marriage. That's where God intended it. For a long time, sex has, within the Christian circles, you know, it, they've played it so against it, like if something's wrong with sex. No, God invented sex. Satan perverted it. In the context of marriage, it will blossom. But you touch it outside, and that blossom will just wither. It'll wither. I wish you could be in my office to hear counseling. The heartbreak. The agony. The years that people suffer because of five minutes of pleasure. And let's face it, for just a short while, for your entire life, it's just not worth it. Let's go back to the general exhortation. We want to finish here, verses 1 and 2. Look at it a little deeper. And this will stand as a foundation for the coming studies. The general exhortation to grow in the knowledge received. The word finally would be better translated furthermore. Or, as for the rest, or now. For the rest, I'm going to teach you some things. Paul's address is to the believer by way of what? Urgent begging in the Lord Jesus by way of exhortation. He begs, I beseech you, the old King James says. I'm pleading with you as a father. He's already given that metaphor in chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Paul the Apostle says to the Romans in chapter 12, I beseech you, I beg you by the mercy of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The least you can do for what He did for you, literally. Your body, your mind, your spirit, your soul are all encompassed in your body. So when He says, bring your body, He says, bring everything. And because it's through your body that sin manifests itself. Nothing sinful about the body in itself. Be careful that sometimes we hear that over Christian messages. The body's not sinful. The body's just the body. It's my sin nature that makes us sinful. I can take a pencil and write poetry or I can write dirty words. It's not the pencil's fault. Paul also says that in view of what they receive from them, they should abound more and more. You see, the Christian life is not to be static or stagnant, but developing and growing. Just keep your hand there and let me turn to Hebrews. It's just to the right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 14. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There are a lot of Christians who just sit, they're, they're, they're pew potatoes. And they never grow. You know, they're always spiritually wetting their pants and scraping their knees. There's a legitimate time. You know, when you bring your baby home from the hospital and they wet their pants, and you know, you say, oh, look at how cute. But if you walk into your son's room and he's 18, you're not going to think it's so cute. You're going to get disgusted. There's a difference. Second Peter, keep going to the right. Chapter 1, verse 5. But also for this very reason, the very reason is what precedes it, because you have a divine nature and God has given you promises and ability 
Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growth ongoing process we are to grow to the mature man according to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ Ephesians 4.13 says there's a potential there's a goal there's a measure that you and I have to fill you never stop growing in Christ and when you stop growing something is wrong you can always learn you always need direction you always need to be ministered unto. We are to grow by God's word, 1 Peter 2.2. The sincere milk of the word, the unadulterated word. Check it out. Make sure it's the word of God, not man's philosophies. Don't let them taint it. We are to grow in grace, 2 Peter 3.18 says, by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. To grow in grace doesn't mean that you abuse grace, but it means that you learn to appreciate the grace and an appreciation of the grace you walk in the light more and more and you mature so you're not stumbling and falling in the very same areas more and more. But you're growing. You're learning. You have greater freedom because you're becoming more like Jesus Christ. John the Baptist says that I must decrease and he must increase. You see, they were infants in Christ. He's already said that in chapter 2, verse 11. He had exhorted them, comforted them, charged them, every one of them as a father of his own children. In chapter 3, verse 10 also, he says his prayer was that they might come and perfect that which was lacking in their faith. And so what does Paul do? He says they needed to grow in sexual morality or sexual purity, verses 3 through 8 of chapter 4. They needed to grow in the knowledge of physical death. And what takes place in the Lord's return? Chapter 4, verse 13 to chapter 5, verse 11. And he's going to tell them about that. They needed to grow in various social relationships. And so he says that in chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. And in chapter 5, verse 12 through 24. Paul says, you still need to grow. And I'm going to teach you on a lot of different areas. The second general exhortation is to walk and to please God. The remainder there, verse 1. He says, Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. The word ought means of necessity or obligation. It's not an option. It's a requirement. Sometimes we approach our Christian life and our spiritual obedience as if we have an option. We have no option. We have obligation. Walking speaks of progress and having direction. When you see somebody going like this, you say he's meandering. You don't say he's walking. You say he's drunk. He doesn't know where he's going. You ever see a person walk down the street and they're just boom, boom, boom. You know, you know they know where they're going. But you see another person who's going like this. 
What, 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 what does he communicate? He's lying. He's like, where, where am I going? When you walk, you know where you're going. You're progressing. He had received from Paul and the other missionaries how they should walk. But we must not be deceived thinking that we can separate the action of walking from our attitude and motives in the heart. Very critical. For we can do all the right things outwardly, but in our hearts we can be in sin. That is very clear through Scripture. And so sometimes we're shocked when we see a person, we've seen them for years and different things going on, and all of a sudden we hear, hey, you know, getting divorced. Divorced? He's always at church. He's, he's an elder. He's this and that. Well, you've only seen the outside. It didn't just happen. Something's been going on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and it's come to a head. It hasn't been dealt with. You don't deal with things, they'll come to a head. To please God speaks of what is appropriate, fitting, suitable for the kingdom of God. He's already mentioned it before in chapter 2, verse 12. That you would walk, have a walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. We are to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6, 4 says. We are to walk in faith, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says. We are to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16 says. We are to walk in love, Ephesians 5, 2. We are to walk as children of the light, Ephesians 5, 8. We are to walk in wisdom, Colossians 4, 5. We are to walk in truth, 3 John, verse 4. And you can go on and on and on. Look up the scriptures of walk, walking. Many. But there's a third thing that Paul says in this general exhortation and that is that they are to know that their instruction was divine it wasn't Paul's it wasn't Timothy's it wasn't Silas but it was directly from the throne of God the word commandments there as he says for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus the word commandment is not speaking about the Ten Commandments that were given at Sinai. That doesn't mean that we're not to obey them because we obey them as we depend upon Christ through Him and in Him. He fulfilled them. If you want to live by the Ten Commandments, good luck. You've got to keep them all. Always. At all times. If you fail in one, James says you've had it. The word sin means to miss the mark. We all miss the mark. Whether you miss the mark by an inch or you miss it by a mile, you miss the mark. Nobody gets a price for almost making it. You only get a price if you make it. And so the law condemns us. But the word commandment here speaks of a mandate. It is used of a soldier's orders, instructions, Paul the Apostle uses it to tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith, unadulterated, unhypocritical. 
in verse 18 of the same chapter. He says, This charge, there's the word, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously uh, made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. There's a metaphor, spiritual warfare. We're in a warfare, whether you like to believe it or accept it or not. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 says, put on the whole armor of God. And before you put on the whole armor of God, you better be filled with the power of His might. And you better not take that armor off, and you better not turn your back, because there's no armor in the back. You have to face the enemy, and you have to do battle. So you make sure you have the helmet, you have the shield, you have the breastplate, you have the sword, you have the, your loins girded with truth, you have the shoes, and you have prayer. And you are called to warfare. The source was through the Lord. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 guarantees us that what we have before us is divine revelation. He says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, Theopanusto, God breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is talking about their growth. Paul is talking about instructing them regarding sexual purity. He says you can count on it. It's divine revelation. It isn't human norm. All Scripture, not some, all Scripture, and this includes Old and New Testament. For when Paul was writing, all they had was the Old Testament. And in Timothy later on, he combines the Old and the New. The sayings of the law for money for the ministry and the sayings of Jesus. And he makes them one Scripture, all Scripture. They're on equal level. They're not inferior. They're not in addition to. They are the same revelation. Same authority. The Word of God is not human standard. It's divine standard. That which will blossom your life and mine. But you get away from it, and your life will wither. Absolutely guaranteed. It may take a little while, but it will wither. Paul's general exhortation to holiness and their call to sexual purity is based on these three things here in the general exhortation. He's going to build on them. One, grow in the knowledge that they have received. Second, walking to please God. Third, knowing the instructions are from God. There's the foundation for what he's going to add for sexual purity. If you're committed to growth in what you know, if you're committed to walk in a way to please God, then it will be based upon the absolute certainty that what you have is divine revelation from God, not from man. Here's the foundation for the section on sexual purity. Because if you're in sexual sin, then you have no fellowship with God. God cannot hear you. God will not hear you until you repent and you turn. And you come back to this first foundation of this general exhortation where you're committed to grow, to walk and to please God, and to accept this as divine revelation, not just human opinion. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, summarizing once more the foundation crucial to maintaining sexual purity on today's Simple Truths. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Or if you prefer, today's message is also available as a single CD for the low cost of just $4. Ask for it by name, Foundations for Sexual Purity. Once again, that's Foundations for Sexual Purity, which includes everything you heard today and last time on one single CD. Request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please let us know the call letters of the station you hear us on. That enables us to track where our radio outreach has been a ministry to our listening friends. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese shares some warnings to avoid the repercussions of sexual sin. More important simple truths concerning sexual purity right here next time. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 